You're listening to the Breathe Like a Badass podcast, season two, episode two. This week, I'm talking to author, speaker, and creator of the F This meditation community, Liza Kindred. Hello, you are listening to Breathe Like a Badass, the podcast for ambitious, creative women who know that anxious, overwhelmed, and full of self-doubt is absolutely no way to live. I'm Hannah and I teach personalized and down-to-earth meditation as a tool to help you overcome anxiety and overwhelm, stop overthinking in its tracks and finally get you the calm, clarity and confidence you need to live your most fulfilled, one wild life. This podcast is intended to be your trusty companion as you head outside of your comfort zone. And every week, I speak to badass women and men who are out there taking bold, creative, and concrete steps towards their goals and dreams and living the mindful, contented, and fulfilled life that we really do all truly deserve. This week's podcast is brought to you by my free quiz, which asks the question, what is really keeping you stuck and how can you break free? It is totally free and in return you will get a personalised profile sent directly to your inbox plus a free three-day video course on exactly what you need to break through to a life that feels truly good. Head over to breathelikeabadass.com forward slash quiz to take it now and also if you're listening to this episode on your phone I would absolutely love to know and I'd love to say hi and thank you in person so please do take a screenshot of the episode and post it on Instagram tagging me at breathe like a badass send me a dm or you can always send me an email as well at hannah at breathe like a badass.com you would also make my absolute day slash week slash year if you went to wherever you're listening to this podcast now and leave a review especially on apple Podcasts, because those reviews show up well and they help spread the word to everyone else who could use a little bit of support on their journey because no one deserves to live life anxious, overwhelmed and feeling not good enough. Believe me, I've been there and I truly do know. That is where this podcast and my brilliant guests come in. Thanks so much for listening and let's get on with this week's show. This week I'm talking to Liza Kindred, the creator of the F This Meditation Community for those who embrace both the sacred and the profane the founder of tech consulting company Mindful Technology, the global keynote speaker and author of the upcoming book F This 108 Tips, Tricks and Ideas for When You're Stressed Out, Anxious or Overwhelmed. Now, I don't know about you, but stressed out, anxious or overwhelmed has definitely been something that I relate to a lot in my life. So I was super excited to talk to Liza. Also, she is just a huge amount of fun. In this conversation, we talk about why it's not your fault that you're addicted to your phone, technology and any other screens that may be constantly in your life. We talked about how to take gentle steps towards using technology in a way that doesn't hide what your body needs and actually tries to help you develop the mind-body connection rather than get more and more disconnected from it. We talked about how to be super intentional with social media and phone use and also how to be intentional about swearing. Yep, I said it, swearing. We talked about realizing that you're not broken and therefore you don't need fixing. We also talked about how to deal when you realize that meditation isn't always actually about feeling calm, zen and hopeful and sometimes it's the opposite of that and why it's still worth doing even then. 
Liza is honestly a true powerhouse and she has so much to say on how to incorporate mindful principles with like actual real life, which is sometimes tough and sometimes hilarious, but always sacred. It was honestly a total honor to talk to Liza. She's just so much fun. She has so much practical advice on how to be a real human being in a crazy, constantly connected world. And it was just such a huge amount of fun to chat to her and to share it with you. As usual, all the show notes for this episode can be found at breathelikeabadass.com forward slash podcast. Okay, Liza, we are recording. Oh, thank you so much. Seriously. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I, I am so excited to have you on. I've literally been counting down to this day. I've been like preparing this morning. I was like, <laughs> oh, I have to make sure I have good questions for Liza because she's coming. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so excited to be talking with you. Oh, so the reason why I was drawn to you in the first place and the reason why I wanted to speak to you is just because I feel like our attitudes towards mindfulness and meditation are very similar. And so we swear a lot. Is that what you're saying? Basically, we swear a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I wanted to give you a chance to just sort of summarize your background because I've kind of jumped in there. But Basically, you run an account on Instagram called F This Meditation, and your business is called F This Meditation. But you also run a business called Mindful Technology. Right. And obviously, the common thread between those two businesses, as far as I can see, is mindfulness and approaching mindfulness and meditation in a quite a down-to-earth way. So for people that don't know you, could you just summarize your background and kind of how you got to be doing what you're doing now. Sure, absolutely. So my my kind of first career originally was in fashion. The first business that I owned was a clothing boutique. Uh, and I did uh, some runway production and photo styling and just different things in the fashion world for a while. And I really loved that. I loved the creativity of it and enjoyed a lot of parts of it. But I also grew to be bored of it kind of fast. I felt like fashion was really it is very cyclical, like the same thing, everyone would always act surprised. It's like, oh, um, jewel tones and sparkly garments are in for fall. You know, like they were also last year, but we were like pretending like it's new or, you know, nautical stripes for summer or <laughs> whatever it is. Um, it just didn't feel like there was much innovation happening. And so I really, after spending years working in fashion, really went out on a limb and made a complete and total career switch and ended up working in technology, knowing nothing about technology at all. I, I knew about running a business. And so I went to work in the business end of technology and I ended up as managing partner of an open source software development company. And uh, when I came, it was two people and I was there for six or seven years. And by the time I left, it was 50 people working there. And so I was able to be part of this really awesome growth in uh, technology and it's specifically an open source technology, which is uh, an interesting thing that's different. It's not proprietary. Nobody owns open source software. It's free to use and uh, people make a lot of improvements to it and then they donate it back out to the public. So it's this kind of like almost hippie version of tech, uh, but it's super powerful and it's used by a lot of um, I, I want to say I was reading a statistic that something like 80% of websites on the 
uh, internet today touch open source technology in some way, if not entirely built on it. So even though it's uh, kind of a, comes from hippie-ish ideals of like nobody owns it, everyone gives back. I was working in the business end of it. And, uh, and so I learned a lot there. And after doing that for six or seven years, I started doing a lot of public speaking too. I was talking a lot about the business of open source, uh, which by the way, wasn't very popular or rather the people that were like the tried and true hippies did not like me talking about the business. <laughs> so it wasn't always really well received, but for people that were trying to build their own businesses, they wanted to talk about it. Uh, but that's when I really started doing a lot of public speaking, but I've been doing that for a long time and I'm someone that always really likes the beginning of things and like establishing things and dreaming things up and getting them started. And that had really kind of gone into maintenance mode. And so I decided to make a big change again and I uh, sold my shares in that company and I started the, what I believe was the first uh, fashion tech consultancy in the world at the time. It was about 10 years ago. It was the first company that was focused uh, solely on fashion tech and did that for a lot of years and uh, had a lot of really awesome clients, like really good clients. I was teaching people because I came from the world of fashion and the world of technology. I was able to teach uh, fashion people how to integrate tech and tech people how to kind of speak fashion. Um, there's a lot of differences between those two worlds and I was helping people learn to integrate them. And I had awesome clients like tech clients, uh, big ones like Vodafone and Cisco and Microsoft and the Amazon. And I had really amazing fashion clients uh, like Hearst magazines uh, and Vogue magazine was a client and Bloomingdale's and a lot of really great projects and people I was working with. But at the same time, I was separately starting to pursue a personal mindfulness practice. I was like really focusing a lot on like uh, focusing inward and like not being interrupted. And I had come through my fashion tech company to specialize in wearable tech. And I was helping these clients build these wearables that were like constantly disrupting people's lives and interrupting them. And so what I was doing professionally and what I was seeking in my personal life were basically at odds. So I was helping build technology that was in people's really intimate spaces on their bodies or in their bedrooms or their cars or their homes. Uh, yeah, that yeah. was like bothering them all the time. Like, pay attention to me. Like, beep, 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 I'm here. You know, it's like, and then I'm like sitting in meditation like, don't interrupt me. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, that doesn't really work. So I closed that company down and I started the company called Mindful Technology. And Mindful Technology is a company, we really help people figure out how to build technology that puts the needs of people before the needs of machines. So what we do is we teach workshops and do executive education and help people build products that are focusing on helping humanity. So we have a system of core values that's really focused on like building technology that the world actually needs and doing things like narrowing the digital divide and designing for disconnect. So letting people decide when they want to be connected and when they don't want to be connected and not making that decision for people, not, you know, interrupting. And so that is, you said summary, but now I've been monologuing for 10 minutes. Sorry. No, no, <laughs> it's absolutely fine. I really love hearing the backgrounds are kind of, especially how you, 
realize that what you were doing was kind of at odds in your personal life because I think that's quite a familiar story like I think a lot of people come to mindfulness and they start wanting to learn more about meditation precisely because their work life or maybe just their whole life is just crazy and Mm -hmm. seems to be as you say at odds with what they actually feel like they crave which is a feeling of peace and a feeling of mental space and a feeling of clarity people yeah all that kind of stuff and so much tech is built against that stuff but it doesn't have to be it Mm -hmm. uh there's a lot of big corporations and I'm just going to call them evil corporations making terrible decisions for humanity mm-hmm. and really like technology is not neutral. That's one of the things I love my Deepak Chopra, but I I'm just infuriated that he's running around. He's got this big thing now that he keeps talking about technology being neutral, which it's, it may have been at one point, but that's not true anymore. Sure. And we have these companies making these decisions uh, that are really harming us, but technology as a tool can be used for good. And so in mindful technology, that's really what we do is teach people exactly like precisely how to build technology that is putting good into the world and is supporting humans. That's a really fascinating approach. I would actually like to go back to that idea because people that follow me will know that I'm slightly obsessed with Andy Puddicombe, who is one of the co-founders of the Headspace app, which is basically like taking over the world, especially in the UK. It's like when people think meditation, they think the Headspace app. Um, right. and, um, and the point that I'm making is the co-founder of that, Andy Puddicombe, has this phrase and he says, technology is not good or bad. Your smartphone is not good or bad. It's just a piece of plastic and some glass. It's actually about how you use it and how you approach it. And it's a tool. So you can choose to use it in a positive way or you can choose to use it in a negative way and you can exert your own control over how you use it. Well, I I, I hate to be disagreeing with everyone all the time, but... (laughs) No, no, but Uh, that's what I wanted to ask you because it sounds as if actually you are going further than that and you're saying, well, actually it isn't just neutral. It isn't just... It it is absolutely not. And let me give just a couple of reasons why. Uh, Technology, your phone may just be a piece of glass and plastic if it's turned off. But when your phone is turned on, you have a lot of algorithms that are being specifically designed to be addictive. There are literal scientists in labs that are trying to figure out how to make technology more addictive. This is not about personal character flaw. This is not about exerting more willpower or more desire to take control about your life. Our devices are intentionally designed to be addictive. And pretending that they're not is not doing anyone any service. And I would even go so far as to say one of the We have what we call mindful technology anti-patterns, which are things that are uh, design choices and technology that are, some people call them dark patterns, but are actually making things more addictive. And one of the things that Headspace uses is streaks. And we believe that streaks are a technology anti-pattern because streaks manipulate and change people's behavior, which can be good a lot of people will say like, oh, why would a streak be bad if it's encouraging me to meditate more? I can't tell you how many times people have said to me, I had a streak of X number of days on Headspace, but then I missed a day, so I stopped meditating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Which is like a huge backfire, right? And so that to me is one of these anti-patterns trying to have these kinds of streaks that is, you know, it's trying to manipulate people's behavior. 
And the argument is that, well, we're trying to get people to meditate and meditation is good. But when we're actually looking at it through eyes wide open, we're seeing like anytime we're trying to manipulate someone's emotions or behavior or disrupt their life, um, we're behaving in a way that is, we're doing something that is um, trying to exert control, use technology to exert control over people. Yeah, that's absolutely fascinating. I think that is something that comes up so much when people talk about the gamification of habits such as meditation. Yes. And obviously, yes. like you say, in some ways it can be really positive. You know, if you, if you think that it's just a, a little kind of tool, you know, specifically talking about the streak thing, if it's right. just a little tool that's going to help people stay motivated, then fine. But actually in practice, people can get far too obsessed with their streak and they kind of forget that actually the whole point that isn't the point of mindfulness the point is not to have a streak the point is actually if anything it's almost to remain unattached to the idea absolutely thank you for putting it that way because one of the things about trying to develop a mindfulness practice a regular mindfulness practice is that it is challenging some days are easier than others uh, but the actual practice itself should be the reward and so when we're looking at gamifying a reward, we're actually not fully engaged and involved in meditation in its purest form. Now, Headspace as an app has gotten probably millions of people to meditate. And that's a good thing. Like, there's no doubt about that. You know, I recommend it to people sometimes. There's other apps that I think are great, like 10% Happier or some of the live apps like Journey uh, are doing a really good job. Um, but anytime we can get someone to meditate, that's a good thing. Uh, but it's just not totally neutral. And it's not, you know, anytime there's a pro, there's a con too. And one other thing just to mention very briefly, when people talk about technology being neutral, is to talk about the algorithms, uh, the machine learning, the big data uh, that's happening behind the scenes. Because a lot of times we talk about um, the data is neutral or the algorithms are neutral. Uh, but any line of code that has been written has been written by a human being that had their own inherent biases built in. And so what we're starting to see is that people are using algorithms to make decisions, really uh, important decisions like hiring decisions or sentencing decisions when it comes to um, deciding if someone goes to jail or gets probation. Uh, like life-changing decisions are being made by algorithms that we kind of hope are neutral and like to think are neutral, but more and more we're seeing built-in bias in those systems that is just being perpetuated, uh, particularly because we like to think that technology is neutral. But when someone programs uh, an algorithm or programs anything, whatever their own inherent biases are, are being built into the system. And so, and everyone has biases, like literally all of us have biases. Um, it's great like to look at your own biases and try to change them, uh, you know, admit you have them as the first step. Uh, but it's, I think it's really important. We can't just be telling people like, oh, like technology is just, it's fine. It just is what it is. And then, you know, with our own integrity and morals, we live over here. It's like, no, it is one and the same. That is an incredibly fascinating way of looking at it. I mean, I would love to go back to what you said earlier. You mentioned that the use of technology is not just a question of increasing your motivation or a way to, you know, I think what you were saying is that you shouldn't beat yourself up 
if you feel like you're addicted to your phone because it's actually 100%, yeah. yeah so it's like engineered to make you addicted to it so what, it totally is i mean so we have this list of coded language that we teach, right. teach in our workshops and it's like when people are measuring success like when an app developer is measuring success right now they're measuring success by how many times they can get you to open up an app in a day and how much time they can get you to stay in the app they're not measuring success by like uh how successful was someone at getting what they wanted when they opened the app you know did they get what they came here for was was it an efficient experience for them it's no it's like how much of their time and attention can we soak up and there are like i said before there are actual scientists that are you know trying to figure this out the same way there's food scientists that are trying to make cheetos more addictive and they are like they're you can't eat one they're awesome uh, totally <laughs> it's like they're delicious and completely unfulfilling and they were designed that way on purpose and it is the same with technology you know it's like i'm loving this and i can't put it down and that has nothing to do with people having a lack of willpower it's because it's being designed that way totally yeah so i think i've got two questions on that point that i would love to to ask you the first one is relating to what you said about how you help people to design tech that is not addictive or not manipulative so that's the first one mm -hmm. i'd love to know a bit more about you know for example the streaks of headspace okay cool so what would be the alternative and i think the second thing is what can people do you know what can us ordinary people do to try to break that cycle of addiction you know how can we use our phones and our technology in a more healthy way you know without completely just deleting instagram forever and just throwing our phone right. down the toilet you know those are two huge questions but i'd love if we could <laughs> about yeah. that yeah so when we're talking when we help people to design technology that's putting humans first the very first thing we do is we help people figure out what their own value system is uh what it is that they're wanting to do so at mindful technology we have our own value system that we've developed and we have nine different values uh, and a lot of times when we help people develop their own value system there's some overlap between our values and theirs sometimes people just adopt ours but i think it's important for people to kind of dive in and really think about and talk about and explore what are they trying to do in the world you know and so you have a lot of companies that will have these kind of mission statements or sayings on their website or whatever where they have these like ideals uh but no one ever or rarely do people actually bring those ideals into the work of everyday life and so we help people identify what is it that you're wanting to do like are you wanting to actually um, make the world a better place and how are you wanting to do that and so we use those guiding values to help figure out exactly what it is that we want to be building and how we want to be building it so uh, i mentioned some of the other ones earlier but like one of our core values is awaken the senses so a lot of technology actually dulls our sense perceptions we kind of get this tunnel vision uh, a lot of times people will hold their breath while they're scrolling through instagram or okay. checking email uh, i've heard it called email apnea uh, we all do it. i do it myself i see it i'm like oh my gosh i'm doing it again uh, but we like tunnel in our eyes glaze over and uh and so one of our values is to awaken the senses and to actually um, engage all the different sensory perceptions instead of trying to shut them down 
And so if that's a value that someone has that they're working with, we can really actually look at for designing this, like, can you, and, and you know, not most of the stuff we're working with doesn't have anything to do with mindfulness. It's just technology that people are wanting to do a better job of building. So like, if you have an app that someone's reading on, can you build in something to encourage someone to like look up every few minutes and, you know, look off to the horizon, which is actually better for your eyes. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, it's like, all right, you've been scrolling for five minutes, time to take a, you know, a 10 second look up break. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you know, yeah. or something like that. It's like, oh, you're scrolling through this article really fast. Do you want to have a deep breath right now? You know, this kind of stuff. It, and it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be like a mindfulness uh, app or technology that is focused on mindfulness. Uh, but it can be just be regular technology that we're actually trying to make it so that it's better for the people that are using it. Yeah, which is extremely mindful in itself, really, if you think about it. I mean, because, yeah. but I, com I'm I completely get what you're saying, but I kind of, I kind of love that because that ultimately for me is what mindfulness is all about. Because I say this, I think every single time I do a podcast, I probably use this quote, but I just love it. You know, it's the idea that we don't meditate to get better at meditation. We meditate to be happier and get better at life, basically. <laughs> I just love yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it's true. And that I feel like a, a, another quote that is used a lot too is this idea of like, uh, if you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family, oh, uh, yes. which is a quote from uh, Ram Dawes. And it's, it's so true because it's like, we can be like so enlightened on our meditation cushion. Like we can be like so smart and so, you know, yeah. and then we get on the phone with our parents and all of a sudden we're like a big baby again, you know, yeah. or whatever it is. I mean, everyone has their own experience, but you know, I, I agree with you, like taking, for me, my goal with mindfulness has never been to like become a monk or a nun. Like my goal has never been like, okay, I'm going to follow this path to its end. And that means that I'm going to end up like in a monastery somewhere or meditating on a mountain for years at a time. My goal is to be better at living the life I already have. And to, you know, I mean, obviously like I am really not, I guess it's not obvious, but I am very driven by trying to make the world a better place and try to, um, you know, help people in any way that I can and um, leave things better off than I found them. Uh, but it really is about like engaging in what's already here. Like mindfulness is really about being engaged in the present moment as it is without judgment. And a lot of technology is about like taking people out of their moments. Like, okay, like you're engaged in your life, but now I want you to be engaged with my app instead, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, and out of the present moment. And so I think yeah, we're it's getting better though. I feel like we're moving in the right direction. Uh, somewhat. <laughs> yeah, totally. I kind of love that though. And I, again, it goes back to what you were saying before about how can we use apps? How can we use technology in a way that doesn't take us away from listening to what our bodies need? And for me, that's such a key part of mindfulness. You know, it's some, it's such a huge thing that it's taught me this idea that I can unite my mind and my body and I can actually right. listen to what my body needs. So I can, I can realize, oh my gosh, I've been looking at Instagram for too long. I'm starting to get a headache. I feel like my neck is starting to cramp up. I need to go outside. I need to, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. I find my, I'm a 40 year old woman and I can't tell you how many times I've been doing work on my computer and I realized I've had to pee for an hour. You know, exactly. I'm like yes. shaking my leg like I'm five years old and I need someone to tell me I need to go to the bathroom. You know, it's right. <laughs> exactly. I'm exactly the same. 
was like, get a drink of water. Yeah. I love, there's this, um, uh, there's a Twitter account that I love for any listeners that are on Twitter. It's called tiny care bot. And it's just, I love it as an example of mindful technology because it's super uncomplicated. It's just this little bot, you follow it. And then little messages will pop up in your feed that say things like have a drink of water or yes. go look outside or call a friend, you know, like whatever yes. it is. And I just love it. Cause it's like, Twitter is a kind of a scary place these days. Even if you edit your feed down, it's just, you Absolutely. know, the, Twitter does a horrible job of, of so many things. It's, it's a hate-filled platform in a lot of ways. <laughs> but I love this little tiny care bot that comes up. Because it's so simple. Like, it, nobody's, like, nobody's spent, like, weeks and weeks or years or hundreds of thousands of dollars programming it. It's just this little thing that's like, take a drink of water. I know it's so sweet I think I I think I actually do follow the bot that you're talking about and it says things like have some h2o beautiful human and things like that like it's so great I love it you're so right I, I kind of love that that's a really good example of like a really simple way that technology can kind of just wake you up from the constant kind of scroll yeah and it's not like get off Twitter, you know, yeah. it's, it's like, you didn't have to like delete it. It's just something, it's like a little extra thing that's added in there. Your other question was like, what can people do? Yeah. yeah. Um, one, it's complicated because for a lot of us, not using technology isn't an option and it is really, you know, designed to be disruptive and to be addictive. Um, one of the things that I think is super important, first and foremost, is reminding your mind of your own ability to disconnect, um, that you can survive without having your phone. So some ways to do that, like for me, for instance, in January and in August, I take a 30-day news cleanse where I just don't engage with the news at all. Um, wow. To remind myself that I can do that, like it's possible. Um, a lot of people will take like we'll do uh, Sundays where they don't use their phone at all or whatever it is, just like a, some period of time where you're just reminding yourself, even if it's just like once a week, I go for a walk outside without my phone. Like we are so attached to it. But if we can just kind of force ourselves to remember that it doesn't have to be that way, we naturally end up making better choices for ourselves when it comes to tech. Like if you remember like physically remember, remember in your body that feeling of like being out and about in the world without a phone, you kind of break that that addictive cycle and you're able to be like, oh, you know what? I'm actually not going to take my phone with me right now. Um, yeah. I think it's super important for people to charge their phones outside of their bedroom. Mm -hmm. uh, something like 90 some percent of people are sleeping with their phones right next to their beds, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people look at it first thing in the morning. Uh, I saw a statistic that something like 3% of people sleep with their phones in their hands. Just, like, <laughs> wow. Shocking, How right? is that possible? I would think I would, I would just drop it. Like on the I know. I think it's kids. <laughs> like, uh, there's a lot of other statistics that show that uh, teenagers and specifically preteens and young teenagers wake up in the middle of the night to check social media because they don't want to miss what's happening, which wow. is heartbreaking to me it's like you need the sleep man when you're that age and your body's growing you know anyways 
that's, I digress. But for, for doing things for ourselves personally, there's a lot of steps that we can take and not every step works for everyone, but I think it's trying things and seeing what works. Uh, like for instance, I have a shortcut on my phone uh, that set up the, that three quick taps of my home button puts my phone into black and white mode. Wow. Uh, which try looking at Instagram in black and white mode. I can tell you this, it is not that fun. <laughs> and so like there's a lot of people that will like put it into black and white mode at a certain time of night or just kind of live in that black and white mode. Uh, one thing that I think can be really good for people is that anytime, this is actually uh, some advice that came from uh, a book called Digital Detangler, written by a guy named Pete Dunlap, who I, I really admire his work. I actually wrote the blurb for the book. It's a great book. Uh, but he recommends that anytime there's something that you could do on your phone or on your computer, like a choice, mm -hmm. so just email, you can check your phone or Instagram. You can check Instagram on your phone or your computer. Ch always choose your computer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, because we're first of all the ergonomics are better, but also you're less likely to spend a bunch of time doing it, and you become less and less addicted to your phone over time. When you're, you know, you can set your time. Like I'm doing my Instagram time right now. I mean, I certainly do it, sure. uh, but doing it on the computer and, and and then it stays on your computer and it's not following you like everywhere you go. It's not like at the grocery store with you or like in your car while you're driving or you know whatever it is, kind of keeping it to the computer. Yeah, totally. I resonate with that a lot as well, actually. And also as somebody that uses Instagram and email for business, it's strange how when you do it on your computer, it feels more purposeful and it feels like you go on there because you have a set agenda or a set objective that you're trying to achieve on Instagram. You know, for example, I might go and answer all of my DMs. I have... Mm -hmm. I have um, a program on my laptop that allows me to answer all of my DMs. So I can do business on Instagram and get back to people and interact and use the app in a really positive way without getting sucked into the scroll on a tiny little screen, you know, that I'm holding in my hand, like hunched over, you know, like. Yeah, totally. good for you. Yeah, I totally get that. I think that's a really interesting point, you know. But again, I think I did want to go back to this idea that I don't think, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but your attitude to technology is not, it's completely evil, you know, the, the, the ideal would be to just not have our phones at all, like Instagram is evil. I feel like it's not as simple as that. Your message is not as black and white as that. No, yeah, it's certainly not that simple. And it's really easy to see. And, you know, we're going to talk about the F this meditation Instagram account. And that has been such a pleasure and a joy for me because it really is a community. Like we, you know, at the same time that we're kind of disconnecting a little bit in some ways, we're, we're using technology in some good ways to really connect with other people. It's technology itself is not neutral. And there are technology companies that are doing intentionally very evil things. They are stalking us. They are selling our personal information. Um, they are making decisions that are um, we would be shocked and horrified to find about. Every once in a while, you know, we get a little bit of information about the stuff that they're doing. Um, like I, for instance, I don't have Facebook on my phone. Mm -hmm. um, I actually, I also don't use Facebook. I don't follow anyone on Facebook. I have a Facebook account, which I have to have for Instagram, which is its own kind of BS. Uh, sure. <laughs> but, uh, like when I go on, 
on my computer to facebook.com, there's nothing in my feed. My feed is empty because mm -hmm. even though I have friends, uh, I've actually unfollowed everyone. So I did this really intentional thing where I went in and every time someone showed up in my feed, I sent them loving kindness and I unfollowed them. Yep. Oh, and I have like, I don't know, like 1500 connections or something. And so I would just look at their face and I would like think nice thoughts for them and then let them go. Um, and so I've really changed the way I use Facebook. I would never use Uber. You know, I've made some personal decisions, um, but there are a lot of other companies that are doing, you know, things that, especially about selling our personal data. I, I don't think technology is all evil, but I also like, I don't, I don't use wearables anymore. I don't have any connected devices in my home. Those things are hacked like crazy. And this is not, this is not like paranoia, you know? These are things that are actually happening, is that connected devices in people's home are getting hacked. Like people's baby monitors are getting hacked. Their thermostats are getting hacked. You know, like that's, that's real. <laughs> and so for me, I, you know, I try to be as careful as possible with the technology that I do use and then try to use that technology for good. But it's, it's super intentional and, you know, it changes over time. It's different for every single person. Uh, but I think it's something that all of us now have to really be thinking about because the default uh, of using technology in, in uh, kind of the naturally occurring ways, the default is that we're giving away a lot of ourselves without meaning to. So we have to be, I think, really intentional and thoughtful about what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. What you're saying really stood out to me this idea of being intentional about it and I think that that's really important because as you said earlier most of us are not in a position where we can throw away our phones most of us are not in a position where we can go and take you know a two-week detox holiday break and completely just not go online for the whole time and so yeah, I think yeah. like you say it's the word intentional and I think it's also about understanding the positives of social media and the positives of technology and like you say being intentional about how we use it so that we do reap the positive benefits and we try not to get so sucked into some of the negative downsides and I think that's a really great way to talk about f this meditation because <laughs> yeah let me really fast just go say you know you're talking about yeah, the yeah. there's some really cool apps and plugins and things like that that will actually kind of um, when you're like opening your browser or opening your phone, uh, we'll actually just ask you what your intention is, uh, that will just kind of interrupt and be like, why are you here today? Like, what's your intention in using this technology, which I love because it's not regulating. You don't have to, there's no like right or wrong answer. You know, it's not like, oh, your intention is wrong. I'm not opening up Instagram for you. Uh, but it's just that like, pause that like mindful moment of like why are you here and we don't actually have to use these apps or plugins we can actually just ask ourselves like I mean I am certain that listeners will know what I'm talking about how many times have you like picked up your phone and you don't even know why like you're in it all of a sudden you're like wait what did I pick my phone up for you know you don't even know all totally. of a sudden you're just like doing this or doing that you know but if we can build in those kind of intentional moments of like, what am I doing? And again, it's not about a right or wrong answer. And it's certainly not about beating yourself up. Like that's, before we move on, I, I want to be really clear. Like I'm like been preaching this and singing this for so long. Don't feel bad about it. Like if you're, if you're like, oh my gosh, I'm on my phone all the time. And like, I should be working or spending time with my kids or whatever it is. It's like, don't, 
do the added layer. In Buddhism, we call that the second arrow. Don't like have a struggle or some pain and then also beat yourself up for it, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why it's so important to say that. And I love that idea. And I love the Chrome plugins as well that you can get on, you know, the, the Chrome browser. That, that Yeah, and we'll gather all those. We can put them in your show notes. That so would be awesome yeah if we could recommend some especially for the phone but also for chrome yeah like you say it's uh plugins that remove your news feed from your facebook or they remind you you know actually you've been online for this long are you sure you want to stay online Mm -hmm. super useful and again that's that's a way that technology is actually helping people to be more intentional it's it's exactly like you're saying it's using technology but in a way that is much more compassionate yeah and more aligned with our own goals like apple has screen time now which like by the way talk about admitting your own failures that you have to put a (laughs) build in a feature that helps people regulate using your product it's like oh my gosh yeah it's like i don't know making like yeah it's like making less addictive cigarettes it's like okay that's where we are (laughs) but but it is good. Like in screen time, you can track your own screen time. Um, I know that Android has similar stuff. I don't know the name of, of it is, but we can throw on the show notes. But you can actually like set your own limits. Like I'm a game player. I play a lot of games on my phone. And so uh, I just, I have limits on it. It's like I have one that I've been addicted to lately. And so I put a 15 minute limit on it mm-hmm. where it's like, I'm not telling myself, oh, you can't play a game. It's like, if I'm online waiting for something and I want to play a game, I'm going to play a game. Uh, but I just put my own limit on it. And so we are getting more and more of those tools where we can just say, okay, what works for me? Mm-hmm. What is it that I want to do? Uh, and I think also knowledge is really power using screen time where there's a lot of other apps like Checky or Moment uh, that will just tell you like how many times you've picked up your phone in the day. The first time I used one of those, it was like, and I like, I'm in the business of not picking up my phone, you know, yep. it was like, you picked up your phone 97 times today. Yeah. I was like, how dare you? I know. <laughs> I, know. I look at my, I look at my screen time as well. Cause I have an Apple phone and it just tells you automatically now, if you go to your home screen, like how much you've been using. I mean, I'm looking at it now and it's like an hour and a half on social networking today. And I swear I haven't even used it today. And obviously <laughs> You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, I mean, it's really good to know. That's like some hard data. It's hard to argue with that. It's terrifying. I know. And I, I really resonate with what you said as well. The idea that you pick up your phone to do something and then half an hour later, you're like, I didn't even, I haven't even done the thing that I picked. Like, yeah. I do it with my calendar all the time. Like I'll pick up my phone to like check whether I'm free on a certain date. And then I'm like 15 minutes deep into Instagram before I've even checked the date. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> yeah. put the phone down. Like, I mean, if we want proof that our phones are addictive, like there it is right there. It's not like there's nothing wrong with us. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I know. It's hilarious. It's kind of scary, but I kind of love what you're saying about how there are ways that you can start to change that behavior, but also without beating yourself up, because that's ultimately one of the reasons why I love mindfulness in the first place, because one of the principles about it is always, like you say, the second arrow. Okay. Now that we're identifying these behaviors let's not compound them by being hard on ourselves about those behaviors like that's right talk about making it worse like getting in a spiral I mean that's like the human and you know I'm thinking let me just add one more thing about the tech uh that uh 
one of the things that I think is so cool that a lot of people are doing restaurants and people in their private homes is this idea of like phone boxes uh, where you can, uh, I was eating at uh, 11 Madison Park, uh, which is, which was rated like top 50 restaurant in the world, like beautiful restaurant. That is an amazing experience. Restaurant. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they bring out a phone box at the beginning of the meal. And th- I love the way they handle it because it's super low key. It's not like uh, they don't say like you can't take pictures or you can't have your phone, but they just bring it out and they introduce the idea to the table. They're like, we have this thing. If you put your phone in the box, we'll bring it back at the end of the meal and uh, we'll, we'll have a little present for you. No pressure. But, uh, yes. and I was, I was with a group and one of the women was uh, on call with the babysitter. So she kept her phone uh, and everyone else put their phone in the box. Uh, and you know, she, that's totally fine. You know, it's like there's stuff that happens, but uh, it was such a cool experience because everyone was like present for that moment. And so one of the things that we, we actually do it in our workshops, it's kind of hilarious because everyone is like, Ugh. yeah, we actually, we have people write down, how they're feeling when they're being asked to put a phone in the box. And <laughs> it's like, people are always like, I feel anxious. Like I'm annoyed. You know, I didn't want to do this, blah, blah, blah. And then we, um, and, and not like, we're not strict about it. You know, it's like, but the thing no. is that people are at a table. So other people are going to know if you pull your phone out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have moments where like, all right, it's lunch, five minutes, check your phone. We get it. Mm-hmm. You've got jobs, you got a life. Uh, but then we have people write another little thing down when they're about to get their phone back, it's like, how do you feel about getting your phone back now? And it's so funny because people are always like, I don't want it. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, I'm more nervous now. Like I'm nervous about what's on my phone. Like I actually feel really good. We, uh, we we did an event at my house uh, and we were lucky enough to have a writer from Wired Magazine come and cover it. And it was so funny because we were doing the phone box thing and she wrote, when she was asked to write how she felt about putting her phone into the box, the quote from the article was, I feel fine about it, comma, I lied. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, that's exactly it. Uh, But, you know, a box is cool if you have it, but another thing to do is just like, when you're out with your friends or, you know, your loved ones, just don't bring your phone out. Just be the person that doesn't get it out. And, you know, no shame, no shaming other people, but just, you know, people, other people model our behavior. Like I try to be really conscious about not having my phone out when I'm out with people and, um, you know, no judgment, no shame. We're not here for that. But, uh, I notice other people will say like, Oh, you don't have your phone out. Like, and they'll like take their phone off the table and like put it away. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like people actually, a lot of us end up feeling a sense of relief if we're given like a permission to disconnect. Absolutely. Uh, and it doesn't have to be throwing your phone away, like you said earlier. It can just literally be like, I'm just going to leave my phone in my bag today. Yeah, totally. I think it does allow you to appreciate the moment that you're in as well, which is obviously a very mindful thing to say. But I think it really, it really does. I mean, I remember last year, my boyfriend and I, we went to an event where they purposefully didn't let you use your phone at the event. Um, People in London will know what I mean when I say secret cinema. I don't know if they have it in the United States. It's basically, I don't know. Yeah, it's basically an event based around a well-known movie and people dress up and there's like food stalls and they, they screen the movie on a big screen. And it's like, it's, it's kind of like a festival. But the whole point of it is that it's secret. The whole point of it is that people know the theme and that's it. And it would be the most Instagrammable thing ever 
but they don't let you use your phone. They literally make you put it into a bag. And, and if they see you using it, they reserve the right to kick you out. And it keeps the mystery around the event. And it, it you know, it's a very good marketing tool as well, because it means that, you know, the only way to see what's happening is to buy a ticket. So it's very, yeah. it's very cynical oh as well. But yeah, ultimately, I remember I went and my boyfriend and I, we didn't have our phones. So not only were we more present with each other, we also knew that we couldn't just go around taking photos of everything. So we had to be there and we had to enjoy it at the time. And Love it. that was a revelation. It was like, oh my gosh, I know that I can't just take photos of this. So I have to be present because I have to try and enjoy it now. And also soak I have it soak yeah. it up. And actually, I think my memories of it are probably more vivid than Aww. they would have been. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's yeah. true. So many things like... Um, I was watching Brené Brown's new uh, Netflix um, special yesterday. And, How uh, was it? Oh my God, I love her. Like literally, I cannot say enough good things about her. Like I know that some she's kind of controversial for some people, but I just, I just love her whole approach. I love how down to earth she is. But she said this really amazing story that she said that her daughter has this phrase where she talks about making picture memories. So instead of just like whipping her phone out and taking a photo of something, she'll kind of just like close her eyes for a second and try and make a really sort of visual memory of what's going on instead of a photo. And it's kind of, it's kind of cheesy, but I kind of like that idea. It's like actually remembering something rather than just taking a photo of it, you know, like. I don't think it's cheesy at all. I mean, otherwise you don't even own your own memory. Your phone owns it. Exactly. I, I think that's kind of important to remember you know when when we do you know our first reaction when we see something cool is to take a picture of it and it's kind of like oh yeah you can take a photo but also don't forget to don't forget to enjoy it in the moment too right <laughs> yeah yeah and I love the kind of the built-in challenge and sometimes we need that you know and sometimes we can do it for other people yeah totally 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 but I did want to circle back and talk about f this meditation because not only is it the reason why I found you in the first place, because I was like, this girl talks about meditation and she swears all the time. I love her. She is amazing. But also, real life. Exactly. Real life, for sure. I mean, firstly, I love it because, it, as you say, it feels like you're talking to me like a normal human. It feels like that's just how I talk, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to like F and blind and swear for no reason, but that is just how I talk. So I kind of love how down to earth it is. But also you said that it had been a real source of enjoyment and a source of community for you. And I'd love if you could just expand a little bit more on, on that, because I think Instagram does, people use it as a byword for like everything that is evil about the internet and everything that is evil about phones. And it's like, it doesn't have to be evil. It can actually be an amazing place for like sharing inspiration and and yeah I think as long as it's really if it's done intentionally like I mean one of the things that I also try to really um get across to people is that your feeds your social feeds are your home like the, it's like that's where you live and so first of all like you're not obligated to follow anyone for any reason like if someone bums you out don't follow them like unfollow you know if it's a friend and you're like nervous that they're gonna be mad about it or something all these things have built-in mute buttons now so just mute them you know they don't even have to know um totally. but also if someone's gonna get mad at you for unfollowing them then that's 
yeah, kind of other issue. Yeah, problem. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, whatever. Sometimes we don't want to deal with it, so we can mute people. But we really do have choices about what shows up in our feeds. You know, our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter feeds, whatever it is, whatever platform you're using. Um, we can curate what our home is like, and so we can really go in and like unfollow anyone that makes you feel bad. And and it doesn't have to be like, oh, like they make me feel bad, but are they doing something to make me feel bad? Or is it an issue I need to work through? It's like, no, just unfollow them. Like, <laughs> like just whatever. It, it doesn't feel good. Like get rid of it. Like you're doing enough work in other stuff. You know, I'm doing here. Just unfollow. Um, and at the same time, if you find someone that is like really resonating for you and you feel really good about, it, you can, you know, see who do they follow or like, um, who are they reposting or who does it Instagram recommend that's like them or, you know, mm or, you know, whatever platform you're on. Um, but you can like find more that's kind of inspirational. And it really is, it's like a living, breathing thing, your feed, you know, there's always people coming and going. And um, I think it's really important, again, for people to have an intentional experience when they do that stuff. Like, um, really, we want to be only following um, and allowing people into our space that are raising our personal vibrations that are making us feel better about who we are, you know? Um, Absolutely. And not like, you know, the fitness accounts and the diet accounts and like all that kind of stuff. It's like, um, I mean, one of the things that, so we haven't even talked about the book yet, but we've got to talk about it, but I, I'm working on another book. And uh, one of the things I've just, I've realized, like the thing that, what has, something that's happened in the wellness industry, and, and this is all of wellness. It's like meditation, it's yoga, it's food, it's all these things is that there is an implication that we are broken and need to be fixed. Like that when people are talking about like, let's get better at this, like improvement, like the other side of that coin, if you're someone who's constantly like trying to be better and get better, you're sending a message to yourself that there is something wrong, that there is something broken, that there is something that needs to be fixed. And I don't believe that's true. I believe we are whole, we are complete, we are just not finished. We're learning still, but so much of this wellness industrial complex has become this idea of that we are constantly in need of refinement and constantly in need of fixing. And so my message through the F this meditation Instagram account and book and the next book I'm working on, my message is really like, and even with the mindful tech stuff, as we've been talking, it's like, there's nothing wrong with you. Like you are fine. Absolutely. <laughs> like, it's not to say we don't make mistakes, you know, no. but it's like, you don't need to be fixed because you're not broken. And the very idea that you need to be fixed is the problem. And so when we're refining, if we're going through like our Instagram feed, I think it's really important to pay attention, be very cautious of these subtle messages too, because there's a million accounts that are like, you know, like hustle harder and, you know, do better and like all this stuff. And, and people kind of put it a little bit under this idea of inspiration. It's like, that's not inspiration. That's berating you, you yeah. know, and it's like feeding these voices that we all have in our heads that we're like not enough. And so I think it's really important to just be very cautious with the subtleties there. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I could not agree with you more. I think something that I have been finding is a really positive way to to flip the idea that 
Instagram is this negative force or social media in general, or internet in general, and actually look to ways that you can use it in a way that is going to be positively impacting on your life. And yeah, so powerful like that. Exactly. And I think something that I love about your Instagram accounts are precisely what you say. They do make a serious effort. Your Instagram accounts are that, that beacon of light. You know, when I see one of Thank your posts, you. oh my God. Yeah, but when I see one of your posts come up, I think, yay, it's an F this meditation post or, or yay, it's a mindful tech post because I know that it's going to be useful and it's going to be interesting, but also it's going to be giving me some useful tips without making me feel bad about myself. And I think Instagram, Thank you. Very much. You're, you're very welcome. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I kind of was drawn to your brand in the first place, because it is useful. It is interesting. And it's also part of this movement of how can we use Instagram to build communities and share, share the love rather than just using it as a platform that we go to feel bad about ourselves. Yeah, I mean, th th that's really what I've been, I'm trying so much to do. It's like, and thank you again. That really feels great to hear because I'm trying so hard. Like I, and, and also it's interesting to me that you describe it as like a shining beacon of light because sometimes I feel like I, it's like gritty and raw on there, you know, like shit gets real on that feed. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, it's not like, I love that you say that because uh, it's not like, um, uh, there's no like false positivity there. There's no like, uh, like I am literally never like everything is going to be okay because it might not, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, uh, I'm not someone who I, I really do believe in, in the power of intention, but I don't believe, um, that the entire universe is conspiring to give me everything that I want. Mm -hmm. um, as Paolo Colo wrote, uh, and is often quoted Pinterest and Instagram. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't actually think that everything is working in my favor right now. And I think that, um, you know, I'm working hard and I have some good luck. I, um, I'm white. And so I benefit from that, you know, it's like, totally. there are a lot of like real world factors that like maybe work in my favor that don't work for other people or vice versa. Um, you know, there's a lot more to it than I think a lot of these platitudes give. And I think that putting these kind of like, it's all going to work out fine. It's like, um, can we be real? Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's yeah. like, I've like, I lost friends to suicide, you know, like that, it didn't work out fine for them. You know, like, let's be real. Like, it's not about, it's not about like just thinking more positively. It's not about, you know, just being like working harder, hustling harder, aligning yourself more. You know what I mean? It's like, sometimes stuff works out and sometimes it doesn't. And I think we have to be real about that. And we have to be real too. I mean, the whole, for me, the whole thing about this meditation is like, I've been meditating and, and studying Buddhism for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like, I am still like, I still get annoyed. I still have anxiety. You know, I've been teaching meditation for two years. I finished my meditation teacher training in 2017. Um, there are so many accounts on the internet that are all like positive thinking. And I get it. Like, I think that that's good. It's like what some people need. Um, but for me, I built up this meditation because I wanted to make meditation accessible to people who need it to be more real like to be more authentic. Cause the thing is that it's hard. Like meditation, when, when we start meditating and when we kind of are like 
reaching different levels in our meditation. It is gritty, man. That's hard work. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> People have these accounts and they're just like, it's like, well, first of all, you know, there's the whitewashing of meditation and yoga because those are both Eastern traditions, but it's like all these like, you know, it's often like young, very thin white women and, um, you know, and they're always really happy and like blissed out, you know, and it's like, that's cool. Like, I'm glad you found that for you, but like, that's not the experience for most people. So, um, I can't say what most people's experience is, but I can say what mine has been. And so what I realized is that as much as I can be open and real about my experience, which is the good parts and the bad parts, mm -hmm. what I've noticed is that just resonates with people so much. Cause it's like, we're not blowing smoke up anyone's ass here. You know, you're the same way. It's like, this shit's hard, yo. It's just worth it. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and when I say that your feed is, you know, a beacon, of light I think that's what I mean I don't I don't mean it in a kind of oh it's always positive and shiny and bright I mean it is talking about this with a real sense of like you say realism like this is how it is we have bad days we have good days sometimes you sit down and meditate and it is a freaking shit show yeah. and you're like I you know Sometimes we, we sit down to meditate because we're having a terrible time in our life and we see it as a bit of a, an oasis. And it, has, it has worked for me in that way too. And as you say, it is worth it. You know, the benefits that I get from mindfulness far outweigh what my life would be like if I didn't have that practice and I didn't have yeah. those practices. Yeah, and that's what's real, right? Right, but that doesn't mean that everything is rainbows and light all the time because most people come to mindfulness meditation because they precisely because they have those issues precisely because they feel anxiety or they feel busy or yes. stressed or yes and it doesn't necessarily solve that stuff i had this um one of the um i like i like to talk I like to quote a lot of other people. Like I like to, I read a lot. I like to quote a lot of books. I like to, I subscribe to a lot of people's newsletters and I try to, I've, I've been able to build up a following kind of quickly with F this meditation. I've only had the account, I think less than a year. Um, and it's grown what to me feels like really rapidly. And I try to shine a light on a lot of other people too. And I had, I was talking, I was quoting from someone's article, a meditation teacher who was writing about his own struggles with anxiety mm -hmm. and talking about how, um, even though he's been teaching meditation and practicing meditation, um, for many years, he still has anxiety. And I just thought that was so real and so beautiful. And I shared it and <laughs> I do have to block the trolls sometimes mm -hmm. because in this particular case, it's so funny to me. It's like, uh, not saying it's always going to be a dude, a white dude, but so far it has always been white dudes. Uh, and this guy came in and he's like, um, he started lecturing this other meditation teacher and he was like, if you still have anxiety, you're not following the path as closely as you should be. And so wow. like, he just started dropping all this stuff about like the Dalai Lama says and like this and that. And it was like, just talking shit about it was, and I was like, first of all, I didn't block him immediately. I was like, that's, this is not what we do here. Um, and also like, everyone's path is different and you literally like if you're coming in here and you're being like your path is wrong um I'm pretty sure it means your path is wrong because that's bodhisattvas do right <laughs> Whoa. also can I just say by the way just on that point the Dalai Lama literally says stuff like I still get angry I still get frustrated <laughs> like, 
he has literally that's like a direct quote i mean i i butchered the quote but he literally the dalai lama has actually gone on stage and said stuff like i still get angry of course i still get angry like and talks about how to use how to work with anger and how to use anger it's like it doesn't disappear exactly exactly (laughs) and i i think that's just so key because i think that sometimes people can see like you say in the wellness industry and in mindfulness meditation specifically people think that it's it's like a silver bullet and if they don't if they sit down and they find it difficult or if they sit down and they find that they are struggling with the same emotions or the same issues over and over again then that means that they're doing it wrong and that they're bad at it and they should try something else right and i would like to flip that on the head and be like right. if you're someone who feels like you have to pretend like everything that's okay is okay then that in and of itself is something that can be worked on like people that have these like pristine accounts and like everything is great and like oh my gosh aren't you tired mm. because like if if we're i see it a lot with like life coaches and stuff like that where it's just like every meal is healthy and everything is great it's like that's not true and it's not helpful because that it's like let's just be real about it you know like i i posted something about something about this i don't remember what it was um but um there's a a woman named valerie ula who i think is like she's a kundalini teacher Mm -hmm. she's reiki she's the director of vibrational energy at this new wellness center in new york city she just wrote a book about reiki she's like amazing like she's one of those people that when you're like or in the room with her, you just want to be like closer to her. You're like, can I sit like right in your lap? Like, I just want to smoke this up. Like, she's so great. She's so smart. She's so kind. She's so humble. She's like amazing. And yeah. she had commented that uh, I was talking about like you know like let's be real. And she had commented that she had been on the subway. She's a New Yorker, also. She was on the subway that morning, and then she started swearing at someone trying to get off the train. And then then she had this moment where she was like someone's gonna see me and know that I'm a meditation teacher oh my goodness yeah (laughs) like call herself in but I love that she shared that story you know because it could have been a secret shame you know she could have been like oh I'm not you know whatever enough or something but instead she like showed that story the light of day and like shared it you know and for me that's when I'm talking about a sense of community it's so much about that it's like okay this is the place and I just, I'm so flattered by the amount of comments that I get on the Instagram um, posts. Like, I obviously, like, the likes are awesome. Don't uh-huh. get me wrong. It uh-huh. feels really, really good. But the comments are so amazing. Like, I, like, a lot of times there's, like, dozens and dozens of them. And it's just people just being like, yeah, me too. Or, like, oh, I'm not sure I totally agree with this. But it's just, it's, like, so many people just, like, having this, like, little tiny safe space on the internet to be like talking about like what's real and like what they're thinking about and what they're talking about. And it is just freaking beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And I, I really get that vibe as well from what you do, which I love. Well, you're I, part of the community. I know. I really am. I'm like such a fan. Like every time, every time I see a post, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to get it. I love your comments. It's like so, and there is a lot of, there's meditators and there's meditation teachers too. There's like a lot of you know, practitioners and there's a lot of teachers and it's just like such a fun place to hang out. Sure. I know. I love it. But I did want to talk as well about something that you mentioned right at the beginning of the podcast, which is that you, you swear a lot. You use a lot of, you use a lot of swear words and so do I. 
Um, but your, your swear words in your actual title, I mean, mine is kind of, I mean, mine's breathe like a badass, I guess, badass. Might, I feel like we some, some people might not like that. I mean, if, if they have a problem with the word badass, they're not going to like the rest of what I say. Um, right. but, um, I would love to talk about that because obviously, like I say, it is just for me, like an extension of just being normal and real, but I know that some people find it controversial. So why is it important for you? to to use those kinds of swear words online and have you had any pushback from it yeah for sure so but this is how it kind of ended up happening um that I landed on f this meditation it's like when I finished my meditation teacher training a couple of years ago so many people in my class like were doing really cool stuff like there's people who were everyone was making meditation accessible in different ways so there's people who are taking their training and going to work with people who, with trauma, um, people in prison, immigrants, like all these different ways to make meditation accessible. And I was really trying to figure out, okay, well, how can I, um, how can I bring what I've learned and, um, and share it with the world? And I, I mean, honestly, I was thinking of like a lot of much loftier things than just like, oh, I'm going to swear. But it's like, you know, I'm like, all right, you know, can I work with children? Can I do this? Um, and who knows, maybe someday I'll end up there. But what I decided for myself was what I wanted to do was I wanted to just be really real and authentic about what the experience was like for me and try to make it accessible to people in that it was an alternative to the way that meditation is often presented. Um, I try really hard not to be affectatious about it. Um, not have like gratuitous, whatever swearing or, you know, the actual, pictures on the account can be kind of edgy. Like I'm not trying to um, push any boundaries. I'm not showing anything that doesn't feel authentic to who I am. I, I don't put photos I, about the accounts about half and half stuff that I make and stuff that I repost. And I never repost photos from accounts that I wouldn't want someone to go and look at. Like there's some stuff I find. I'm like, I love this picture who made it. And then I go to their account and it's kind of violent or something like that. And I'm like, sure. all right, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that one. I'm going to step away from that. But I really just wanted to be like really, really real. <laughs> yeah, totally. As real as possible. And so to my own experience, not, you know, not, I'm never trying to represent anyone else. Like everyone's experience is really unique. But what I realized is that by being really true to myself, it can give people permission to be true to themselves too. And it's this place where if we can come and we can talk about meditation and we can talk about mindfulness and all the different things around it without having to pretend that we've like got stuff figured out absolutely you know we don't have to be like oh yeah i do get some of the comments i guess sometimes are because i do have a lot of coaches and teachers and stuff that follow me like sometimes it's people i'll talk about something i'm struggling with and um they'll tell me that they have already figured it out which is kind of funny to me which is fine it's like cool (laughs) but also like um like we're not necessarily here for that I you know I rarely do these comments I do have sometimes people that are clearly trying to get all up in my feed and like sell their classes or whatever you know it's like that's not what we're really here for like I don't even really sell stuff through it I do have the book coming out which you know we'll talk about but more of just a place to like hang out and stuff um but the swearing was like super super intentional and um before we uh started recording you and I were talking about a guy named Lodro Rensler uh who uh, is he's a friend of mine. I met him when he wrote his very first book. He's written six books now. And his first book was called the Buddha walks into the bar. Mm-hmm. And you know, you and I were talking about, we were both like, hmm? 
Yep. Like, <laughs> as soon as I saw that, as soon as I saw that title, the Buddha walks into the bar. I was like, I need to know who this Lodro Rinsler guy is. Yeah. He talks about meditation the way that I talk about meditation, the, yeah. way that, the way that I think about it in my own head. And then I think I actually found you through him. I think that's, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I think so. So anyway, you were saying. Yeah, so he's, he's been a friend of mine for a long time, but he also taught my meditation teacher training. And so uh, I was at the end of the training and I was talking to him about it. And I really wanted to, um, I respect and admire him so much. And I love what he's done for Buddhism and for meditation. Both. So we should just quickly say who he is. So he is, Lodra Rinsler obviously is an author. Like you say, he's written these six books on approaching meditation, but he is also one of the co-founders of Mindful in New York, which is a, a series of meditation studios in New York. Yeah, they've got three of them now, I think. Three of them. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's his parents were um, Buddhists and meditators, and so he really grew up in it. So he's been uh, teaching meditation since he was 17. So he's been around and immersed in, in the world for a long time. So he's got a lot of wisdom. Sure. And so I really wanted for, I, I really wanted like his opinion about what I was deciding to do with FS Meditation. It was really funny because I had built the website, but not published it yet. And yeah. I was having a meeting with him and I showed yeah. him the website and he like, Lodra, I hope you don't mind me sharing the story. He was like scrolling through the website. He goes, he read it all. It's like this kind of cheeky, snarky copy. Uh, and he looks at it, quiet, quiet, gets to the end of it. And he like folds his hands and he's like, so why? <laughs> but so, so here's the thing. I, you know, you talked about the Dalai Lama talking about um, his, his struggles. Sure. There's this like there's this video uh which hopefully we can find and link to in your show notes uh of the Dalai Lama talking about farting I think he's talking about farting on airplanes but it's so funny it's like and everyone's just like once like you know he's giving a talk he's like in front of an audience and everyone just wants it's like oh please just like say something that's gonna like take me to the next level of my enlightenment or something you know and yeah it's like talking about farts which is like who knows maybe that's enlightenment but uh I just love the the teachers I've had that have been like basically finding the sacred in the mundane or sometimes the profane like to me there is no separation between you and I there's no separation between like me and God there's no separation like it is all the same like this universal life energy that's everywhere like we live in a world like i truly believe we live in a world of vibrational energy man i mean i'm looking at the ocean right now and like i for whatever reason i've become obsessed with the physics of waves and really like really learning about how that works and it's all man it's all vibrations like quantum physics quantum mechanics what we're really learning you know it used to be about like atomic energy where we thought everything was made of atoms, but you know, it's gotten even smaller. It's like, no, it's literally just vibrations. Like everything is made out of vibrations. Uh -huh. um, and kind of like learning that and understanding that has been like so life opening for me. It's like, it's all kind of like one in the same. And so I don't think that we have to find like, it doesn't have to be like beautiful crystals, you know, I'm wearing, I'm wearing like white flowing clothes and I'm doing the full lotus. You know, it's like, I think the sacred is everywhere, man. Like life lessons, it's like, 
they come from the place we least expect them to come from. Like the opportunity to deepen our practice often comes from like the worst, most annoying places, you know? And so I love teachers that have always been like, oh, um, I, I had a teacher one time that was talking about how she was trying to meditate at a bus stop and the people at the, um, uh, that were at the bus stop with her were having a huge fight because she had wanted the husband to make uh, dinner and he made it a panini, but she said it was just a grilled cheese. And so they were having a long argument about what constituted the difference between a panini and a grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah. Um, and this was the story she was talking about in teaching. And I just thought it was so funny and that kind of thing. So for me, it's like, let's not separate yeah. the sacred from the mundane because it is all the same thing you know it's all that stuff and I also find that it's more the swearing and you know the kind of cheekiness it's I, I suspect it's same for you too it's like more true to who I am and so I'm able to be a more real authentic teacher when I don't feel like I have to like edit myself or present in a certain way you, you know it's just Absolutely. like I'm gonna be real <laughs> absolutely absolutely and I think it's hilarious as well like going back to the title of Lojo's book, the the Buddha walks into the bar, and and your Instagram feed, and also what I try to do with mine as well. It's it's making people laugh. It's cutting through the. Sometimes I think it can be quite solemn and serious. Yeah, pressure, and precious, and sometimes even like sanctimonious. And I think <laughs> it puts it puts people off. I think people think oh, I have to be a certain way in order to meditate. I have to be a certain kind of person. I have to be, like you say, a kind of person that sort of floats around the world in kind of white cotton. And they have to be right. a kind of person that wants to go and sit for days up in a monastery in India. And it's like, right. I find that such a shame when there are normal, urban, modern, interesting, creative, passionate people out there who could benefit so much from the principles of mindfulness, but because they don't identify with this kind of floaty vision of it that they have in their head, they end up missing out on exactly. much of it. And I, that's my yeah. whole mission, you know, like I'm trying to make it accessible to people who would normally not, maybe not necessarily think that mindfulness is for them, or maybe they tried it because somebody told them to download an app and they tried it and they kind of think they should do it, but they're kind of like, I'm not really sure if this is for me or I'm not doing it right. Or, or they think they're bad at it. That's what I hear all the time. Exactly. People being like, I tried meditation. I was bad at it. It was yeah. like, there, first of all, there's no such thing as exactly. bad at meditation. And what I believe that means is that you had a bad teacher. Totally. Yeah, totally. Or you're just approaching it thinking that it's something that you're either good at or bad at and you can figure that out in one or two sessions. And it's like, no, it's a practice. Like it's going to take a few more sessions before you like. I mean, precisely. I love that. They say this in yoga a lot. It's a practice, not a perfect. I feel like it's exactly the same thing with meditation. It's like, you can't actually, you never finish. You're never like, okay, I, I meditated. Like I did yep. it for 20 years and now I don't have to do it anymore. Yep. That's never, there's never an end to it. It's, like, it's a practice. It's a daily, hopefully daily, um, but not always, but you know, it's just, it's a practice. You have to Absolutely. keep practicing. Absolutely. Talking of doing something consistently, tell me about your book because writing a book is no small feat. <laughs> so the book I wrote for my daughter, um, I had realized she's 
she's 19 and she's actually just back from, she's been traveling the world. She took a gap year between uh, high school and college. And um, she, as she was getting ready to set off into the world, I realized that there was a lot of things that I, like knowledge that I'd earned and gained that I wanted to codify and send with her because I wasn't going to be able to be with her anymore. And uh, I was really young when I had my daughter and I kind of feel like we grew up together. Like I was, I was um, 20 when I got pregnant and 21 when I had her. So I was really young Mm -hmm. and uh, I hadn't really figured anything out. Like I was still just um, trying to grow up myself. And so along the way, I've just been learning stuff. And, and now it's like, well, here's some things that I wish I would have known, you know, 20 years ago that I could have taught you when you were young. Um, but I only figured it out recently. So, you know, uh, and so what I did was I actually started this list of, uh, different things. It's turned into the title of the book is F this, uh, F this meditation, 108 tips, tricks, and ideas for when you're stressed out, anxious, and overwhelmed. And so it's, thank you. I'm so excited. So it's literally, it's 108 things. It, it's like organized by time. So there's like one minute, five minutes up to like much longer, but 50% of the book is either one or five minutes. So it's like a lot of really short practices. So there's meditations or breathing practices, just a huge variety of different things that you can do when you're like stressed out. Um, and it, for me, it really was just like, okay, you're going to be out there in the world without me. So just like, here's this book and just please, hopefully you can find some knowledge in it at some point, you know, when you're feeling like you need a little something and you know, there's 108 things in there. There's actually dozens of bonus things too. So there's, there's a lot in there, Uh, but they're not always going to work for everybody and they're not always going to be the right thing, but there's a lot of things in there. Uh, And, and I wanted to be able to give her that knowledge. And so I actually, I published the book or I printed the book myself. I used just like a regular printing company so I could give her the book for her graduation. Oh yeah. Yeah. What an amazing gift to give to your daughter. I mean, so it's amazing. That's just so great. Thank you. you. Um, And so back to the Instagram account again, I actually had a publisher contact me through the Instagram account she slid into my DMs and she's like, have you ever thought about publishing a book? And at first I was like, well, this is spam, you know, yep, yep. <laughs> like what? I only have to pay you $10,000 and you'll publish my book. Uh, but I went and looked at her. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this woman is legit. She's, she works for Quarto publishing, which is the largest wellness publisher yes. in the UK. Um, and, uh, and she's, she's like, have you ever thought about publishing a book? And I was like, I, a book <laughs> no way I yeah. love that I love it it's like I literally just wrote a book like yeah I actually the first the very first meeting that I had in person when I went into the publisher I brought a physical copy of the book and they were like you're literally the only author that's brought in a finished copy of the book um wow. to the first meeting and um, you know, which had, we've done a ton of edits. Like I've got a great editor. It's really been refined. It's gorgeous. It's full color. The whole inside is full color. Um, awesome. and the response so far from the booksellers has been like really good, really exciting. And so we just got the, um, cover finished this week. Uh, and so, uh, 
it'll, it'll be out there. I, we're going to start pre-sales. Uh, pre-sales will be going by the time the podcast comes out. I've got a bunch of giveaways for pre-sales. So if people order the pre-sale book, they can just like forward their receipt to this email address we have and um, get a bunch of free stuff that they can kind of like get started on stuff with the book and learn more about the book. So the book cool. ships on October 22nd. Um, I mean, I'm going to put all the info in the show notes so people can follow you and figure out what's awesome. going on in your life. And then, you know, they'll be the first to know, I'm sure, when it's all ready to go and when the pre-sale is open. So yeah, thank you. I, I'm so excited. And I really hope, like I had actually printed off several other copies of the book. Just, it's not pretty. When I made it, it wasn't pretty. The publishers made it beautiful. Uh, I was like black and white one. Uh, but I actually had a designer working with me. So on that, it looks a lot better than it would have if it was me. Yeah. Uh, but I had given some copies to uh, some, uh, like my uh, sisters and my, uh, my little nephew has taken the book and he, it, it's written for adults, sure. um, but he is uh, 10 and he has actually started doing exercises from the books. And when his sisters fight, he pulls out the books and they do like little breathing exercises or meditation exercises from the book, which is, oh my God. it makes my heart like explode. <laughs> it's so I'm cool. going to start crying. When, when little kids start telling me about the principles of mindfulness, you know, when mm. it's taught in schools or when it's taught in you know, just really young children. And they say things like, yeah, I, I learned how to, I learned how to talk about my feelings. You know, I, I learned how to understand, you know, why I get angry or why I get sad. Oh my gosh. It breaks my heart because it's like, this is what I think we, we should be teaching kids because it's like emotional literacy. And it's like, I was taught how to read when I was a kid, but nobody ever taught me how to understand why I was sad. Right. Or how, what to do with it. You know? And it's just like, this is, this is real information that people need. It is. It is. I'm hoping my publisher will let me come out with a kid's version of the book. Oh my God. <laughs> we'll it. see later on down the road, but so even great. the one that's coming out now, there are activities in it that are, I mean, they're super simple. It's, it's really just like straightforward stuff. How can people like reconnect with their own body and reconnect with the goodness inside? I love it. I love it. Do you know what I really like as well? It's, it sounds as if it would be a good book to kind of dip in and out of as well. Yeah. You can see sure. how long mm-hmm. you have. And like you say, you know, from one minute up, up to way more. And I, that's such a brilliant parallel with, you know, mindfulness, audio mindfulness guided practices that we so often get, you know, if you only have one minute, just breathe for one minute. That's yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of benefits to spending more time on it, but it does not have to be a big deal. It can literally be like a hot minute. If you have like exactly. a hot minute, <laughs> welcome. You're yeah. in the right place. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think that's just so key. And I think like this is something that I say all the time. You know, start with a minute and work up. And if eventually, yeah. if eventually you go on retreat, you go on a silent retreat where you're silent for a week that's obviously a whole other thing and it has incredible benefits and it's amazing but hey like don't don't beat yourself up like just do one minute or two minutes and that's yeah I mean even a week is just a series of minutes exactly exactly (laughs) I I absolutely love it I freaking love it good luck with the book like I can't wait to see it I'm I'm sure it's going to be awesome thank you me too I'm so excited about it I'm I mean I'm really I'm hoping to get it out there as broadly as possible. I, I think that there's a lot of activities in there that can help a lot of people. It's coming out in October, so I think it'll be a good gift for holiday gifts for people. But I'm also hoping that people think about it as gifts for like 
graduations or, you know, like anytime someone is, it's, it's a great thing for yourself. It's a great thing to give to other people too. Cause it's just really, uh, it's really rich with a lot of different ideas and practices. So as much as some won't work, there's going to be some gold in there. I believe there's something in there for everyone. People just give it a try. It'll be like, Oh, I've got this breathing practice that I do secretly in meetings now, you know, or like whatever it is. So awesome. And it sounds as, as well, like it's going to fit in with so many different people's lives. You know, you, you don't have to be, like you say, you, you maybe wrote it originally for your daughter who was graduating from high school, but it will work for people who are in busy jobs as well, or people yeah. struggling with loneliness or whatever it may be. All that kind of stuff. And uh, most of them are free. And a lot of them are, can be done like in secret. Like I'm talking about doing it in a meeting. I mean, there's a lot of these kind of grounding or breathing practices that you can do just anywhere. Like it's just your quiet little moment. You can be in a stressful situation and you can just take care of yourself a little bit better in those moments. It's totally. all available. Totally. I love that as well. It's like we were saying earlier, I think before we started recording, we were talking about how both of us live in big cities. Well, you're actually not in New York at the moment and we're going to talk about that. <laughs> but New York and I'm in London and I started learning how to meditate when I was on the train at rush hour. And, um, you know, if you can, wow. yeah, exactly. If, if you can be mindful and calm and peaceful and like love yourself on a London underground tube train at half past eight in the morning, you're good. <laughs> that was something that kind of cracks me up about retreats is like, uh, uh, they're always in like really quiet places. Sure. It's like, oh, let's have a retreat in Times Square. Yeah. You know? <laughs> then, then you know whether it's really working, right? Yeah. I love it. And by the way, speaking of retreats, it, it may be something that we end up doing with Ethos Meditation down the road because it's something people have been asking us for. Um, both, um, we're looking at doing a collaborative uh, retreat for meditation teachers. That's really not, not necessarily for meditators, but for meditation teachers who want to, um, deepen their practice of teaching and like share what they've learned and learn what other people do, um, and really grow that part of who they are. And then we're also looking at doing these kind of like radical self-care retreats for people. Um, I'm actually starting to do workshops based on the book um, which is really about, uh, and, and getting back into doing, I used to do a ton of public speaking. I've actually had the pleasure of doing keynote addresses in five continents. Um, oh, cool. travel, still looking for Antarctica. Um, <laughs> I feel like it could happen. You never know. Uh, but, uh, I'm getting back into doing a lot of keynote speaking about ethos meditation and also workshops, um, for ethics meditation which is really just about like all right let's take a little bit of time out and learn how to do these self-care practices which i'm so excited about so we're looking at potentially doing some retreats for that too which would be meditation and self-care stuff that's so cool i mean yeah that's on my vision board for my business as well you know like yeah how how can we how can we do a retreat you know how can we get together and just have a real down-to-earth get together of like-minded people you know just being open and honest about what they need and I just think it would be that sounds really freaking cool I love it yeah I mean we were talking not to keep being like before we hit record but we were we were talking about uh the power of being in the same room of being like physically proximate to someone and I think that that just can't as much as technology is awesome um, there are some things they can't do. And so I feel like being able to be like physically in the same place, those people can be so powerful. Totally. I love it. So I have two more questions for you. 
Um, Because I'm conscious of time as well. But I would love to ask you, firstly, we've talked about it a little bit, but I would love to just ask you, you know, maybe you can just answer kind of quickly. I mean, it doesn't have to be a big thing, but you're really big on self-care, self-confidence, not beating yourself up, self-compassion, which is obviously a massive part of mindfulness and meditation. But apart from meditation, what does self-care and happiness look like to you in your life? You know, you mentioned playing games on your phone or whatever, but I mean, I'm sure there are so many other things. That's so funny. That's not a quick question. Uh, <laughs> no, none of my, none of my questions are quick. But. I love it. Um, yeah. So I think it, it does tend to change from moment to moment, but I think it's really about staying connected and continuing to check in with yourself and seeing what it is you need at any given moment in time. I truly believe that the most important thing at any moment in time is to be gentle with yourself. We are not in a place where more, where people need more discipline or need to be more beating themselves up or need to be harsher with themselves. That is just not the world that we live in right now. What we really need, I believe, is to just be kind and gentle with ourselves over and over and over again, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what's happening, is to just be kind and gentle. And so what that actually looks like can change from moment to moment, depending on the situation, who we are, and what we need at that time. So, you know, I have different things that I do for myself, but it can change from time to time. One of the tips in F This Meditation, the book, is actually to, one of the tips is to give guilt the day off, which is to actually just take a day where you do whatever you want and you don't feel bad about it. And so it can be watching Netflix and eating a bowl of Cheetos and eating all the ice cream and whatever it is. And just for that one day, you're not going to feel bad about it. You know, we're not doing that every day. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but no one is going to do that. And so, you know, anyone that's like pursuing wellness, pursuing medication, meditation, you know, that kind of thing, that's not someone that's like, you know, in danger of, you know, eating all the Cheetos all the days. But really just like give yourself permission to have a minute or a day where you're just doing whatever it is that you feel like doing that day. And, and some days that's meditation, some days that's yoga, some days that's breathing practices, some days that's gratitude, some days it's Netflix, like whatever it is, as long as we're being really intentional and really clear about what it is that we need. Because when we're checking in with ourselves, when we're connecting on a deep level with who we are and what we need, we're not going to lead ourselves astray. Mm-hmm. Like we know the difference. Like maybe it's like, what do I need right now? Well, I need to spend an hour on Instagram. Like, you know, if you're getting an urge to do that, like, you know, what's true and what's not true. You, like we can check in a little deeper than that and be like, no, what is it that I need? Oh, I'm craving Instagram because I'm feeling the need for connection. So I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to talk to my neighbors or I'm going to call someone that cares for me or I'm going to write thank you cards. You know, we can kind of really check in with what we deeply need and we can give ourselves that. I love it. I love that so much. I think that is just such an insightful way of looking at it. And again, it's, it's like we talk about all the time. It's about checking in with ourselves. And that for me is one of the biggest benefits of cultivating a mindfulness habit, you know. Yeah, checking in and also really believing in your own wisdom. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because I think people are worried. It's like, oh, if I don't beat myself up, you know, if I'm not my own harshest critic, who's going to be my own harshest critic? You know, it's like, you got to have faith that things are going to be okay, even if you're not beating yourself up. Like just, you know, if you've been beating yourself up your whole life, but you know, you've tried that. Mm -hmm. So now try something else. 
Yeah. yeah. Just like yeah, yeah. give being gentle with yourself a chance. Uh, <laughs> See yeah. how that works. It's that quote, isn't it? You've been criticizing yourself your whole life and that didn't work. So how about, yeah. how about you try the alternative that might work out a bit better? <laughs> just give it a shot. Who knows? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I mean, I did want to quickly ask you as well. I, there's the word quickly again. I'm just conscious of time, but I wanted to ask you as well. You touched upon it just then, this idea of, is there a contradiction, do you think? And I think I know what you're going to say, but I'd love to hear your take on this. Is there a contradiction between becoming somebody who is mindful and becoming somebody who is very intentional and zen and aware of themselves and being successful and being driven and being ambitious? Because I think a lot of people are put off the idea of mindfulness and meditation because they think that it will take away their drive. It will take away their ambition. That's, it's such a fear that so many people have. And it's, we're again with like, we are our own risk critic and we're always trying to push ourselves harder, harder, harder. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, not, it's never enough. It's never satisfying. I mean, scientifically and statistically, we can look very clearly that a mindfulness practice helps people to be more productive and more successful in their work. And that's the reason why you have enormous companies like Google, IBM, having mindfulness practices in their offices, right? Like a lot of meditation teachers that I know are doing corporate mindfulness practices. And it is not because the bosses want them to be happier and more fulfilled. You know, let's be clear about that. It's because it is proven time and time again that mindfulness helps people to be more productive. Um, That's not my brand of mindfulness. I'm not interested in productivity Mm -hmm. uh, personally. Um, But the evidence for that is very, very clear. A lot of the top performing people, whether we're looking at business, industry, athletes, they all have a very strict mindfulness meditation practice. Um, Absolutely. and, And so that to me is, it's like very clear. What can happen is that when people develop a mindfulness practice um, and they start to look deeply, they may find that they're no longer interested in the things that they were interested in before because success does not come from, I mean, it doesn't come from money. Um, There are minimum income requirements. You know, it is pretty clear that, you know, poverty is very difficult. And so there is, you know, a minimum income that can lead to a certain amount of contentedness. And that is important. Um, But all the money in the world does not make people happy. Like, it's so clear. Like, you know, looking at people that have vast amounts of wealth, like, are they happy? No, they're terrified of losing it. Mm -hmm. You know, what can end up happening when we really check in with ourselves is we we can start to notice that we're actually happier with less um or we develop a practice that helps us to stay um happy with whatever it is that we have i know a lot again i'm a new yorker i know a lot of very ambitious meditation teachers you know absolutely Absolutely. (laughs) don't get me wrong um you know but there are a lot of internal shifts that happen when people have a devoted practice uh but it is Uh, you know, and it is gritty and it's raw and it's challenging and it's not always easy, but people move towards happiness and towards contentedness when they have a practice like this. Um, And, you know, on the side, they also move towards more productivity in their workplace. So there's, you know, there's not a lot of um, 
there's not a lot of negativity to it. There is uh, one of the chapters in the next book I'm writing is called the selfishness of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. uh, there, it's not a hundred percent a good thing. I don't think I've seen, uh, there has been instances where people are so busy being mindful that they are not engaging with the world around them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, fuck you, I'm meditating, which yep. I love. Uh, <laughs> so funny. Uh, you know, but going back to what you and I were talking about earlier, it's about the practice in everyday life, right? So it's about yeah. how we can treat ourselves and how we can relate to other people and, um, you know, moving that towards positive. And so while I think there are some, you know, things to look out for, one time I ended up at this retreat and I ended up stranded at the airport um, for four hours because um, the person that was hosting the retreat had made everyone turn their phones off and my driver didn't show up. And so wow. I'm like, that sucked. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's like, if you're facilitating a retreat, maybe you should have your phone on, you know? Totally. And, and by the way, we weren't told where the um, resort was we were staying. We were told to let go and like, let, relax and let go. And then I showed up at the airport. My card was stolen. I was there for hours and hours. Oh. It was like, like, I'm not in a good place headspace right now for this retreat like you were so busy letting go that I wasn't allowed to you know but um it's kind of but, so ironic know, it was so funny that I that was an experience that to me where it really like clarified for me it was like <laughs> oh my gosh it's not like you unless you're like ah see I'm about to bounce and go be in a monastery for the rest of my life it's like you kind of have to consider other people <laughs> yeah totally Totally. That's taking it quite far yeah wow so funny. Yeah, I love that though I think that's so true what you're saying you know it's like like you say it can enhance productivity but also it can make you happier and that's only going to be helpful in your life surely yeah I mean without a doubt and it's meditation is so amazing it's we've seen studies that have shown that it can actually change the gray matter in our brains if we practice for as little as eight weeks like we are making physical changes to our biology absolutely by changing the focus of our thoughts like that's freaking amazing totally totally I'm reading a book about that actually at the moment I mean it's it's one of many books that I have on the go but um yeah it's basically a book it's called altered traits um you've probably heard of it it's by um I'll put all the information in the show notes but basically it's a book that talks about those very physical changes that mindfulness can help bring about in our brains like physically in our brains and it's it's incontrovertible proof that that it, that it is really having a measurable effect on the way that we react to the world and if that means that we're a little bit more interested in enjoying our lives rather than being stressed the whole time maybe yeah that means that we will be less stressed about our work and maybe our priorities will shift but I don't think that means we have to be unsuccessful or that doesn't mean that we have to live in poverty like you say I think it's all about balance yeah and you know you can always stop meditating <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah, I hate it <laughs> yeah, that's true you know that's also true I love it so my very last question um, I do have some quick fire questions if we have time for those. Yeah, yeah, let's quick my, fire. My very last question just before we get onto those is we talked about the fact that you're a New Yorker, but at the moment you're in Miami Beach in Florida. 
And yeah. I know that I, I mean, I'm asking you this from a selfish point of view too, like, let's be honest, hold my hands up. But I also know that a lot of my listeners are people that are interested in freedom lifestyles and being able to choose how they spend their time and quite frankly, to be able to chase the sun, which correct me if I'm wrong, seems kind of a little bit about what, what you've done. And I would love, I'd love to just talk about why you have done that. Like why, why are you in Miami beach when you're a New Yorker? I know. It's the ultimate self-care though. I mean, I get really bad seasonal depression and it gets worse as I get older and it's super predictable and it happens every year. And so for, for many years, what I've done is that come January or so I'm like, I have to leave New York city. I hate it. Like it's gray. I weigh 10 million pounds. I can't think. And I like run away temporarily, but basically what, um, getting a place in Miami beach was, was a decision to be proactive about that. Um, you know, again, talk about beating yourself up for a lot of years. I'm like, suck it up, Liza. Like everyone else in New York is fine. Like, you know, yep. school comes soon. Uh, but the struggle is real, man. Like I, for many years have felt like I lost half of the year. Like I'm, I, I'm just like a different person. Like in the summer, I'm like energetic and excited and focused. And in the winter time, I'm just like living underwater. Like, and so, yep it was really a conscious decision for me and I'm, I'm able to. So I mentioned my daughter just graduated from high school. And so last year, and so it was something that became available to me to do, to actually make this decision. And so, um, I really, I feel really lucky. I feel blessed. I also feel like I earned it (laughs) all the things. Uh, and so I have built myself this little kind of nest in the sun here in Miami beach where I have this awesome view of the ocean really connected to nature. Uh, I've also been really feel, I've been in New York for 10 years now and I, the, it's gotten to me, man, like the, the noise, the, um, the constant clamor, the anger. It's like, I just kept looking around on the streets of New York city on the subway, like no one there looks healthy. Everyone has a gray pallor to their skin, you know, super rushed. Obviously, I'm part of the wellness community. So I see people, you know, who are working in the space. They are definitely much healthier. Um, people who are really taking care of themselves. But it's like a full-time job to take care of yourself living in, in a city like that. And so I just kind of felt like I want to be in a place where I don't feel like the environment is trying to kill me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> depression and then also I um I have chronic illness I have fibromyalgia and my body actually registers cold as pain and so it was like for so long it's like I'm in pain I'm sad uh suck it up you know yeah. it's like or or here's an idea I won't suck it up you know yeah. <laughs> so, so you know circumstances made it so it became available like um financially for me and also my uh my daughter doing her own travels off in the world you know it wasn't something that for me when she's in school that I'm gonna be like see ya uh you know I want to be around for her so um I made a really big leap and I I like kind of can't believe that I didn't do it sooner it's been really awesome I love it it's just like an actual literal manifestation of the whole principle of listening to what you need being compassionate to yourself, 
being present in the current situation, working with your current needs, working with the yeah. present, and then also not being ashamed of who you are, what you want, and what you need. And I mean, living the dream. I love it. I love it. So yeah. Much. And you know, talking about manifestation, I actually realized, so I used to come to Miami a lot because it's a really quick plane ride from New York City. Mm -hmm. And it's also one of the only places in the United States that's warm all year. Mm -hmm. uh, and I used to come here a lot. And I realized after I rented the apartment that I'm in, uh, that there was a time years ago when I had rented a little bike and I was riding my bike up and down the beach and that I was right outside this apartment. And I was like, it's a really quiet stretch. And I, I remember being like, how did I get an apartment here years ago? And then I realized like, I am here now. <laughs> Isn't it so crazy when those things, when that happens? I mean, Ooh, really wild. It's just, you know, it's just such an incredible feeling of gratitude and feeling like you earned it. Like you say, it's all the things it's. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, not everyone, like there's definitely some haters. Um, you know, I, I, I posted one picture where I was like, I'm going to be here in Miami for the rest of the winter. And someone who uh, I've known for a long time, but I don't know well, uh, someone's comment was, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I think I know what you mean. Like, I think I know what you're trying to say. <laughs> yep. Yep, totally. um, but uh, I don't think I deserve that. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Like I'm rooting for you. So, <laughs> I always say these kinds of things though on my friends' photos. Like if they post something, if they post like something really gorgeous, like a holiday photo or something in the, in the sun with the palm trees, I'll just write something like, OMG, it looks shit. And then I'll put like a little winky, like I'll put a little winky emoji at the end or something. Cause obviously, you know. I tell you what, there was no winky on this comment. Uh, I even said that to my daughter. I was like, there's not even an emoji at the end of it. Not even an emoji to make it funny. So I just, I think it's hilarious. I mean, yeah, totally. I mean, I hate you too, but definitely. I emoji, understand what you're saying. In an emoji yeah. way. Only because, I'm, only because I'm horrendously jealous and I'm currently trying to figure out how I can also do it too. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So it has been a dream of mine for a really long time. Absolutely. And I've had a lot of circumstances in my life that have been really tough. And um, I have figured out over the years how to just like keep my eye on what it is that I want and try to keep working as hard as I can. And obviously, as I was talking about earlier, I have some advantages that other people don't have. I also have disadvantages that some people don't have. And, but just really like kind of kept my eye on what it is. And definitely I've noticed there's a lot of people that, um, when they feel really far away from their own dreams, um, mm -hmm. it can be really easy to be like, uh, yeah, to be jealous and like, but for people that are working on their own dreams, they're actually working on it, that are like acknowledging, mm -hmm. I have a dream and I'm doing my best to work towards it. That's more a place where people are like, cool, tell me how you did this. I like to think that I'm hopefully generally more of the latter, you know, like I have been able to several times throughout my life, have an audacious dream and figure out how to make it come true. And it's like, so much of it is hard and it's difficult. And, um, but I know that it's possible. So I hope I've been a little less shy about posting pictures as the months have gone by, as I've been here, I was like super shy about it at first. Sure. Uh, but now I'm posting a little bit more. I'm like, well, it is gorgeous. Like, of course. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it's so important to say that, you know, like when I say that I'm jealous, what I really mean is that's freaking awesome for you. You are serving as an inspiration for me, but also proof 
that if you set your mind on something and you work hard and yeah there's a little bit of luck involved too but a lot of For it sure. is damn hard work and staying focused and also believing in yourself enough that if you just carry on doing the work day in day out you can achieve something that maybe you didn't think that you could yeah and I, I don't think that's bad no and I had for a long time like I don't even know how many years I had I wanted this for so long I actually had um beach towels and beach chairs that were like monogrammed like for my future beach house like I had them for so long that like I don't even use them anymore but I like had this intention where I was like I want to have a beach house someday and so I had these towels and people would be like what does this mean you know like why do you have this and it's like I don't have a beach house I don't have a beach house you know and for so long everyone's like yeah me too you know it's like these little, little steps, you know, of like, okay, and now I'm going to open a savings account. That's actually one of the things in the book It's called dream big backwards. And it's talking about, okay, what is your big audacious goal? And then just break it down, break it down, break it down, break it down. Um, it's inspired by my sister, Katrina, who had never traveled internationally. And she's a single mom of four kids. And it did not seem to her that it was something that was going to be possible for her, but it's something she really wanted was the ability to travel internationally. Mm -hmm. And so she like broke it down, broke it down, broke it down. And one day she was like, okay, I'm going to go get my passport photo. She's like, you know, it's $15 and I have the extra half hour. And so I'm going to go get a passport photo. And she went and did it. And then another day it was like, I'm going to print out the passport form. And she, printed it out. And then it was like, I want to say it was like two months later, she was like, I'm going to fill out the passport form. You know, it was like totally. these like tiny little steps. And then I will never forget the selfie she sent the day she went in to turn in the passport form, uh, you know, and she had to save up to turn it in because it's kind of expensive to like get a passport, but she yeah. like did that. And then it's like within, I want to say it was like within a year of her like taking the first step, like she's traveling through France and, uh, and Britain. That just makes my heart so happy <laughs> that I literally just want to explode because it is, isn't that, that is, cool? isn't that just the perfect metaphor slash actual literal real life story yeah. for yeah. everything that we are just trying to do? Like just do like, like print out a form literally. Like, or open up the account and put $10 in it or $5 in it. Like name your account, like whatever your dream is, you know, it's like, this is the account and now it has $5 in it. And next week I don't have $10 in it. Like I, that's actually how stuff gets started. That's uh, how it's done. <laughs> I cannot love that enough. That is the best thing that I have heard all week. I love it. I love Thanks. it. I love it. It works, man. That stuff works. Yeah. And it's just what I always say to people, just even with mindfulness and meditation, I'm like, literally, like I said, just start small and see where it takes you, you know, like one minute, $5. It's like you are Ugh. on your way. So great. So great. Now, listen, I do have some quick fire questions and they really are, but I, it's so funny because I always say this to people and then they say exactly what you said to me earlier, which is like, girl, these are not quick questions. Like what I'll the answer quick. I'll make it as quick as possible. <laughs> But it's just like, I do think that sometimes it's useful to just sort of summarize, you know, like just kind yeah. of one sentence and, and see. I love it. So the first one is, if you had to choose one way that your attitude towards mindfulness and the use of technology has helped you in your life and continues to help you in your life, what would it be? That I have this moment of pause between something happening and my reaction to it. Awesome. What 
do you wish that you could tell people about mindfulness and using technology mindfully that they maybe don't know? It's not your fault that it's hard. Love that. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. And what extra bit of advice would you have for someone who is interested in what we've said, but they're like, oh man, I have no idea where to start, or I, I keep trying to do this stuff, but I can't stick to it. What would you say to that person? Yeah, I mean, keep trying. Like what we just talked about, one minute or $5, or like it can be the littlest, teeniest baby steps. That's how changes start. Like come to the Breathe Like a Badass or the Ethless Medication uh, Instagram account and just start hanging out and making some comments. You know, like totally. just try stuff that works. And, and this is not a short answer again, but, uh, but if something doesn't work for you, it's totally fine. It's not your fault. It's not the fault of the thing. Just let it go and move on and try the next thing, but just keep trying, keep trying stuff. Don't beat yourself up. Totally. I, I mean, like you say, I like to see things as an experiment. It's like, okay, let's see whether this works for me or let me try this or let me, let there's me. a million different things to try. There's, I, I'm writing in the next book, there's a chapter about meditation and it's just an overview. And it, I'm talking about 20 different types of meditation. It's like, you can't be like, I tried that. It didn't work. You know, it's like, cool. You tried that. It didn't work. Now you're going to try something else. So true. And I love that your book is literally 108, like 108 is in the title. Like there's a, there's a lot Thank of stuff you. to try, you know, there's a lot of stuff to try. I love it. Yeah. And you talked about uh, coming and and hanging out in your community, where can people find you if they want to know more about you and your work and your book and your services and all that great stuff? Yeah, thank you. So F this meditation is E-F-F for F, F this, E-F-F-T-H-I-S, F this meditation. So it's fthismeditation.com. It's F this meditation uh, is the name of the book. So you can just search that anywhere. It's the name of the, uh, the Instagram account. So come hang out there. And I kind of interlink all these different things. My personal website is lizakindred.com and my business mindfultechnology.com. Um, and uh, searching that on any of the platforms is where you'll find me. I also... I try to answer as many questions as possible in my DMs. It sometimes takes me a little while, but if anyone has any questions about meditation or their practice or anything like that, um, just just like send a message. I'm always available to try to help people. Um, but come like hang out because we truly have a lot of fun. That's so cool. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all about community, like you said. I love yeah. it. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. So yeah, I, I finally got to the end of my super long list of questions. I love and it. This I just, so great. Yeah, I just want to thank you for answering everything so fully and honestly and for being so damn real and honest, you know? It's what we need more of. I freaking love it. I love Back it. at you, babe. I love it. Awesome. Thanks so much. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You are a rock star. I would love to hear what you thought about this episode. Come and join the conversation over at Breathe Like a Badass on Instagram. Let me know that you've left a review for the podcast. Let me know that you've listened. Let me know your big takeaways or anything that really stood out to you or made sense. I appreciate every single one of you and it is amazing that you've taken precious time out of your day to listen to this. So I would just absolutely love to see you there and just say thanks to you over DM or over email. Thank you so, so much. Another way for me to say thank you is through my free quiz, which asks you the question, what's really keeping you stuck and how can you break free? If you head on over to breathelikeabadass.com 
forward slash quiz that will give you access to your personalized results and it will also allow me to send you your free three-day course on exactly how to take super small but super effective steps towards the calm, clarity, self-belief and let's be honest, courage that you need to build a fulfilled life that truly feels good. That's what I'm here for. That's my mission. That's why I do what I do. And that is what this podcast is here for. So thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure and I cannot wait to see you back here next week.